Mac Power Users, episode 291, focusing on the iPad. Hello, everyone. It's David Sparks, along with my pal, Katie Floyd. How are you, Katie Floyd? I'm well, David. How are you? I'm great. And uh, there's been a lot of news lately about this iPad thing, you know, so I thought maybe it's time for us to do a show uh, where we take a little bit of time and talk about uh, where the iPad fits. Now, I, I know there's been a lot of shows lately about the iPad Pro, and I have one. I've been using it a week. I definitely have thoughts and want to talk about it during today's show, but I don't want this to just be an iPad Pro show. I thought... Wouldn't it be nice after five years if we kind of talked about what we're doing with the iPad, where we think it fits and, and what the options are for people out there? Well, and we both got new iPads. You you got the big one. I got the small one. Um, and yeah. so we've we've done a little bit of shifting with our with our iPads recently. So I think it's a good time just to kind of catch up and and see how things go. Yeah, let's do that. Um, I, I, before we get started, though, I want to spend a minute just talking about the iPad in general. It, it, I don't think it's a, a well-known fact, but it is it is true that Apple had started working on a tablet device before they had started working on the iPhone. And they were, uh, you know, the, the developments they were putting into the tablet were part of the reason why they said, hey, you know, what, we could do a great phone. So the, the, the Apple tablet that was being developed at one point got shelved while they were getting the phone launched. And then later they came came in with the iPad. I think Steve Jobs let that slip at one of the All Things D conferences and yeah. one of his interviews with Walt and said, yeah. you know, secret is the iPad came first. Yeah. And it's kind of, it kind of makes sense because the iPad is more of what we would think of as a traditional computer than a phone. But they, um, you know, they did this and, and the iPad did come out eventually. And when it first was announced, everybody made fun of it. It's just a big, you know, iPad. It's just a big iPhone or a big iPod touch. And nobody's going to like it. And the thing went gangbusters. I mean, its initial numbers exceeded the initial numbers for the iPhone. It was it was so explosive that everybody thought, well, this is it. You know, this is the death of the PC and this is what everybody's going to be using. And that went for so long and then it slowed down. And these days, the iPad growth is is not um, what it used to be. And in fact, in some instances, it's gone. The it's lower than it has been in prior years. And everybody's saying, well, the iPad was a, was it a flash in the pan? Cause I called it a flash in the pants once and I got a lot of trouble for that. Yeah. That's, that's not a good thing to say, but I think it's kind of, I think I'm going to just go with that as my saying, you know, this, this could be where it starts. If they look in the future, where did that whole flash in the pants thing start? And they'll say, oh, it was that geeky podcast. It was Sparky who misspoke. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, it was a flash in the pants and the uh, people are saying, oh, the iPad's dead and uh, tablets don't work. So, you know, it, it's kind of fun. Oh, then that's the other big thing where uh, this is the first sign, the chink in the armor, Apple is going to fail. Apple is doomed, you know, the whole thing. So so the iPad has been subject of much discussion. Um, and I have definite thoughts on where the iPad fits. And I know you do, too. So why not talk about it here on the good old Mac power users? Uh, before we get into the specific options available to people who want to buy a new iPad, um, I think it's worth mentioning just in general, this is kind of a product that fits in between two well-established and, and clear product lines. You know, you've got the traditional computer, which is either a desktop or a laptop computer. And then you've got the iPhone, which is a computer that fits in your pocket. And then in the middle, you've got this thing, you know, this tablet thing. And I think that's part of the problem. Is that people 
I think part of the problem is also is that we, we now have all these different size classes of devices. You know, we have big, medium, and small computers, and now we have, you know, large phones and, and bigger phones, and now maybe even the smaller phone is coming back, and now we have all these different sizes for the iPads. I, I, I don't know. It feels a little Samsung-y almost that we've got all these different sizes of screens now. I, I don't know what to pick. I like that Samsungy. <laughs> it's a little Samsungy. Well, I mean, Apple did when when Jobs came back. One of the things they did is they drastically scaled back, and they had that famous grid where they said, "We're going to make two kinds of products. We're going to make de- desktops and laptops, and there's going to be a consumer grade and a pro grade." So he made a grid with two, um, you know, with two axes, and so there was four products. And for a long long time, that's all Apple made. And clearly, the company shifted. Now they're willing to make more niche style products. I would argue that the new MacBook is one of those. I mean, it's ultra, ultra thin laptop, which you give up certain, you know, power and, you know, a standard keyboard and you give up things to have that ultra, ultra thin and it's not for everybody. And it doesn't fit in that four, you know, item grid. And then they've obviously expanded into mobile and they've done the same thing. They didn't just stick with the original size iPad. They, uh, after a few years, they went down and made the mini, which, uh, which you love. I do. And now yes. we've, now they've come out with this iPad pro, which is significantly larger. And, uh, it looks to me like they're willing to say, okay, well, we, you know, we don't have the arrogance to make one product and say, this is the right product for everybody. It's, I kind of like that you have these options. And, uh, as we go through these use cases, um, some of these different size iPads are really great for people and some are not, and that's okay. You, you know, and, and I don't think anybody expects you to, to have them all. Um, but. Uh, may, one of them may be right for you. So, Unless you're at Max Sparky, and then you do have it all. I wish, right? Well, don't all you the, have all the iPads represented no, in your household? Can you take well, a picture of them household, online? Oh, the, yeah, yeah there, there's four of us. Yeah, my my wife is a... Well, we'll get into that as we go through this stuff. But the um, I may have two. <laughs> that's, that's that's one of my um, you have disclosures. Two yeah. I, I was, this is one of the things I didn't write in the outline because I knew you would mock me, but it's going to come out anyway. So I, I am actually... Uh, having a hard time deciding what to do with my iPad Air 1. Like I had, I was all intent to sell it to Gazelle, but now I'm not sure. So we'll talk about that as we get through uh, things. Uh, but let's let's just talk in general about the various iPads that are available to you right now, you know, after these years of development and, and what's out there. Um, and the first category, and to me, the big distinction through all these is size. I mean, more than anything, do you want one that fits in a purse, one that, you know, fits in your hand or one that, you know, doesn't fit in either? Really? <laughs> and um, one that you got to get a big bag for. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so so let's start with the one that fits in your purse. And that's the iPad mini. Well, and there are two uh, brands of iPad mini now. We've we've got uh, the iPad mini regular um, well, well, they call it on the website the iPad Mini 2, so that's okay. It's the second iteration of the iPad Mini. Well, if it's the iPad Mini 2, then it has a retina display. Okay. Well, then I got the outline wrong. Let me let yeah. me check on that. Yeah. So we have a couple of different versions of the of the iPad Mini, and and I so we've got the the iPad Mini, and then we've got the iPad Mini 4, and so the iPad Mini 4 is the one that I just upgraded to, and. I'm really loving it. So it's it's a 7.9 inch screen is what you've got on the iPad Mini. Um, it is the lightest of all the iPads. It comes in at just over half a pound. It's like 0.65 pounds. Uh, both of the iPads now have a Retina display. 
Um, the iPad Mini 2, which is the one that Apple is still selling, has the A7 chip, and the iPad Mini 4 has the A8 chip. And so it's a good speed bump from the iPad Mini 2. But the iPad Mini 4 has a couple of things. It has Touch ID, it has a little bit better screen, and it has the ability to swipe in um, so you can do full split screen with the iPad Mini 4, whereas with the iPad Mini 2, which was my previous iPad, you could really only do that three-quarter screen. Yeah. Well, let me just talk about that form factor in general. This is the one you've chosen. Yeah, seven point nine inches. It's it's a little bigger than an an iPhone six plus, but not actually that much bigger. And um, and so why did you pick that size? Well, I picked the size of the iPad Mini. Number one, you, you started by pointing out that it's not that much bigger than the iPhone six plus. And I think if you're an iPhone six plus person, you're probably not an iPad Mini person because I think it doesn't make much sense to have an iPhone six plus and an iPad Mini. So to start off with, I would never be an iPhone 6 Plus person. The The iPhone 6 is still a little big for me. I'm not sure I'm willing to say I'm willing to go down to the 4-inch screen again, but I'd think about it because I, I'm still not thrilled with the size of the iPhone 6. So I think if you're an iPad mini person, you're not an iPhone 6 Plus person because you're right. It just doesn't make sense to have two screens that similar in size. Okay. But, but there are a couple of reasons that I like the mini form factor. And you know, I struggled with this because I talked about this on the previous um, MPU Live, how I I actually got an iPad Air 2 and I played with that almost exclusively for a month and never could quite get used to it and kept wanting to go back to my my iPad mini 2. And and the iPad Air 2 is just a little bit heavier than the iPad mini 2. So it's, you know, it wasn't much of a weight thing. It was just... Everywhere that I used it, I preferred the iPad mini in size. And one of that was because it was small. I could, I could ease, although I could use the Air 2 with one hand, it, it was a little clumsier. I could, I could use the mini. And, and when I say with one hand, I mean hold it in one hand and manipulate it with another. So I could hold it in one hand, hold it down by my side, you know, talk and, you know, make motions with the other hand. So I could easily hold it in one hand and manipulate it with another hand. So in other words, I didn't have to, you know, rest the iPad on something. I could hold the iPad in my hand while I was standing up and manipulate it with the other hand. Does that make sense? Yeah, at 0.65 pounds, it's very, it's almost like nothing carrying it. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was one thing. So I could walk around with it and, and work on it at the same time. So it was great when I took it places. The other thing about taking it places it w- is it was purseable size. You know, I know I, yeah. I could have gotten a bigger purse, but it was small and I, I didn't have to get a bigger purse and I could fold it up and I could stick it in my purse. And I didn't have to do anything to take it with me for the day. I didn't have to bring my briefcase. I didn't have to bring my backpack pack. If I decided that I wanted to take my iPad mini with me for the day, I just stuck it in my purse and my purse was a little bit heavier, but it wasn't that big of a deal. It, you know, it, it was nothing to take the iPad mini with me other than to grab it and throw it in my bag and go. And it's a really great size for casual reading. I'm, I'm not sure. And I know this is a point you'll bring up later that it's as great of a size for PDF reading, but for casual reading of web pages. For casual reading of Instapaper, I, I do a lot of reading with Instapaper. And for reading ebooks, it's a wonderful size. It's it's basically paperback book size in weight, which uh, is a wonderful size for me. And I, I've read more on the iPad mini, I think, than I have on any other iPad or even in the same time period with, with actual physical books. So I, I really enjoy reading 
casually on the iPad mini. Yeah. So, and that, I think you kind of struck on the real strong point of the iPad mini is it's so portable. And uh, so when the iPad one, you're right, I got the outline wrong. So the iPad mini two does have retina screen. They both have 326 pixels per inch, which is the highest pixel density of any iPad. So it's very sharp. Um, the iPad mini four, according to a recent test, I'll have to look it up and put a link in the show notes. Somebody had done a bunch of testing and they said that the iPad mini four has the best color reproduction of any Apple device in terms of getting the colors right. Although I, I honestly can't tell a difference. They're all seem like they're pretty good to me. Um, but in my own family, we had a, a similar experience, you know, so it's always been kind of the iPad hand-me-down show. I got the first one and then it got handed down. I got the iPad two and that's, you know, just how it goes in the Sparks house. And when the iPad mini one came out, um, the, um, my wife got one, you know, she wanted one and she had been using my old iPad and, and, but when she, I didn't get one cause it wasn't really for me. I knew I wanted something bigger and, but she got one. And so I've used hers all the time to kind of like keep up to date with stuff. I check my books on them for instance, and things like that. But she immediately took to this device and she loves her iPad mini. And my oldest daughter is the same thing. She brings it to class with her and takes notes on it. And, you know, and they have purses, so they're, they've got room for it anyway, where the other larger iPads would never fit. And they've always got it with them. And, um, and their use, they're not using some of the kind of the more high intensity stuff I'm doing on an iPad, but they, they do with a lot of consumption and reading and whatever. And they're so happy with these iPad minis. They have no interest at all. I mean, for a while now I've been selling, you know, when I get a new iPad, I just sell the, the old one because they, they aren't, they aren't even interested in my older iPad air one. Well, and you know, it's interesting I probably didn't need to upgrade to the iPad mini four from the iPad mini two. It, it was certainly more of a luxury than it was a, a need. I definitely could have gone another year and perhaps another two years without upgrading. Touch ID is probably the key feature that I use all of the time on the iPad mini four compared to it not existing on the iPad mini oh, two. Isn't that amazing? I love a touch ID. I, Cause I, I've, I haven't had it before. And like now on the big one on my iPad pro, I can unlock one password with my thumb. And it's like, it's as dumb as that sounds. Do you know how amazing it is? I, you know, yes, I, I'm really I, I glad know, but yes. we have it. Uh, yeah, that, that is what about, and this is a good point because the, the price differential isn't that much. So you can get an iPad mini two, which is current, uh, two sixty nine for 16 gigabyte or three ninety nine for 16 gigabyte with uh cellular or three nineteen for 32 gigabyte or four forty nine with 32 with the cellular where the iPad mini four ranges three ninety nine to six ninety nine with the, um, various memory configurations plus another 129 for cellular. So you're basically about 130 bucks. Actually, it's not even that. I mean, because I believe, no, it's about 130 bucks uh, to do the upgrade from the two to the four. And if you were out there buying one, I would recommend getting the four, uh, not only because the Touch ID is nice, but also you've got a newer generation processor, which means you're going to get more years out of it. Um, but but if, if price is an issue, then, you know, I get it. Or if you're buying like 10 of them for the office, but if you can swing it, I would say get the bigger one, but I haven't used them both recently. And Katie Floyd has. So, so what do you think, Katie? I think if you have an iPad mini two, there's probably not a hugely compelling reason to upgrade to an iPad mini four. And I say this as somebody who did it, unless you really, really want touch ID. 
because I the the prices that you can get both in you know third party and in private party sale for an iPad Mini two have, have really dropped. And so if if you're looking at this just as, as strictly, what is this going to cost me out of pocket to ditch my iPad Mini two and get an iPad Mini four? Your iPad Mini two has dropped significantly in value, and and you're going to have to pay full freight for an iPad Mini four. It's yeah, you could you could get like the Gazelle, one of the used Gazelle ones, probably even cheaper than Apple. Yeah, but but I'm saying if you're if you're upgrading from a Mini two to a Mini four, yeah, it's it's not it's not that big of a difference. I mean, to me, the biggest change has been Touch ID. the The other software change that's been made, and I think it's a difference between having the A seven and the A eight chip, is you can do split screen instead of three quarter screen. I will tell you that I don't often use split screen. It's a little small on the Mini, but it's very usable. The main reason that I don't use split screen that often is because there are just not a ton of apps that I use that that support it. And for the apps that I I would use, it's a little small on the mini. Yeah, I, I can't really. I I have to go into a store and try it on a mini because my wife's wouldn't support it. But I can't imagine it would be that useful on a screen that small. But right. Um, so what so, about so? Do you notice like increase in processing, or are you just not using it in a way that the processing is that big of a deal anyway? I'm not using it, it in such a way that it would matter. I think if okay. I was gaming or doing other things, it would. But my usage it doesn't matter. Okay, so so you've answered the question. If you have a two, should you buy a four? And you're saying probably not unless you and, really Unless are. you really want Touch ID. Okay, but what if you're just getting one for the first time? If you're just getting one for the first time, then I agree with you completely. It's not that much difference. Go ahead and get the four. You're going to love Touch ID. And then you've basically future-proofed it another two years, in my yeah, opinion, if you've you get the four. You've got more time on it. Right. And that really answers the question earlier. It's like, why are iPad sales slow? Because people are still using the iPad 1 you know, the original one, it's still out there and used. And then granted, it's not getting the most recent software updates, but it's still very usable. I was talking to a friend who's just, vel- you know, I mentioned on the show that I was thinking, wouldn't it be fun to take an old iPad and just Velcro it to the refrigerator? So anytime you're, you know, downstairs in the kitchen, you can grab a recipe, you can check the weather or whatever you want to do. And I didn't do it, but somebody wrote in and said they did that with an iPad one. And I'm thinking, you know, that's the problem that Apple has is they made a device that seems to last a long time. And where phones, we're always wanting to upgrade our phones with an iPad. If it's still working, then we don't bother doing anything with it. Right. Um, but we've gone on a while about the the iPad mini. Let's talk about the yeah. iPad Air. Hey, you want to do you want to take an ad break first? Yeah, we can talk about our first sponsor. Do you want to tell Great. us about Braintree? I would love to. Uh, This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Braintree. It's code for easy online payments. If you're a mobile app developer, check out Braintree. Braintree is the payment solution used by companies like Uber, Airbnb, Hotel Tonight, Living Social, and Munchery. Braintree has made the payment experiences in these apps seamless and magical, and now you can add a similar experience to your own app. With excellent customer service and simple integration, Braintree gets you ready to receive payments quickly. Braintree's continuous support plus fast payouts means you'll be prepared as the company grows from your first dollar to your billionth. Braintree is also helping solve problems with mobile cart abandonment by offering a best-in-class mobile checkout experience, and they make payment experience in some of your favorite apps seamless and magical. Now you can add a similar experience to your own apps. Braintree gives you a full-stack payment solution, support for all payment types your customers might want, including Apple Pay, um, PayPal, Bitcoin, Venmo, cards, and more, all with a single uh, integration. 
and with its uh, integration across all platforms. So with superior fraud protection and their fantastic customer service, you can't go wrong. To learn more and get $50,000 in transactions for free, uh, go to braintreepayments.com slash MPU. Once again, that's Braintree common, uh, braintreepayments.com slash MPU. Thanks, Braintree. Cool. Well, let's, so we've talked about my beloved many. Let's talk a little bit about your iPad Air. Now, if I'm not mistaken, you are still using the iPad, the original iPad Air, correct? Yeah, I am. So my, um, I'm going to go into it a little bit because I, I was immediately in the iPad uh camp i i thought it was a great idea i had the first one i bought the second one and i skipped the third one bought the fourth one and then i forget i forget i either got the third or the fourth one then i got the air pair ipad air one so even somebody who's like totally into this as me hasn't been doing every upgrade cycle and uh it's really light and it's nice and easy it's just a little under a pound six millimeters thick and it's got a 9.7 inch screen so it, it's a uh, it's quite a bit larger than katie's beloved mini uh, 264 pixels per inch. So it's not as pixel dense, but it's dense enough. And um, it's got the A7. Now the iPad Air 2, which is, came out a year later, has the A8X and it is significantly better and more powerful. I mean, that's, that's there's a big jump between those two. Um, and the iPad Air 2, which I which I don't have, also has Touch ID. Now, both of them have cameras and the pricing varies. I mean, you can get into an iPad Air now from Apple starting at $399 and an iPad Air starting at $499. And it's the same thing. They add hundreds, you know, if you want to double the memory or if you want to add a cellular radio, you know, the prices go up. Uh, so this is the original size of the original iPad, the screen size, but the bezel around it has got smaller and the device in general has got a lot lighter. I believe the original iPad was about a pound and a half and the new one is just under a pound. I love this iPad. I use it so much. It's just such a great iPad. And um, I think with the smaller bezel, when they got that iPad Air design, it makes it easier to hold it in your hands and type like portrait typing with your thumbs. I'm really fast on it. And um and I just think it's, I think it's in my mind, it's like the default iPad. Um, it's just so yeah, great. If you, I would if agree you don't, with that. If someone doesn't know what iPad to buy, this is the one you start with. Yeah. And if you don't want to carry it in your purse or if you have a really big purse, <laughs> but if you don't want to carry it in your purse, um, I think this is a really great device and the weight is just right. Um, I, I just love this thing. And if they hadn't come out with the pro, I probably would buy a new one at some point. Uh, an interesting development through this is the iPad air, the iPad air got updated last year, but the iPad mini did not. And this year the iPad mini got updated and the iPad air did not. And I think this is another sign. You know, Apple is seeing the sales aren't increasing enough on this thing to justify a new device every year. So it looks like, and this is, we've only got a little evidence of it so far, but it looks like they're putting them on two year cycles. So, and they're offsetting cycles. So the, you know, the air got updated last year, uh, this year, the mini, I bet next year we get an update to the air, but not the mini. So if if, this, if you want a mini, this is prime buying time for the mini. You're going to get the most bang for your buck if you get into the iPad Mini 4 now. iPad Air 2, I wouldn't be surprised if we have an update, but you're going to have to wait a year for it. Anyway, um, so I like the I like the 9.7-inch screen, and I, I think it's a great iPad, and I, I use it so much. Uh, one of the things I do with it is I have this really nice folio. I think it's called – I put it in the show notes already, but it's made by Levenger. And it is called the uh, Paper and Pixels iPad Folio, and it's just a little leather binder, and it's got a it's got a case that the iPad snaps into, and it's like leather uh, leather backing, but it's got a big magnet inside of it, and you can 
you can attach it to the photo or pull it off using the magnet. So you don't have to fiddle with getting it out. And then it's got a slot for your pen and then a little notepad and even a little slot for some business cards or credit cards or whatever. And I've been using this in client meetings for like a year and a half now. It's so great because you go in, I've got a little pen I can write some notes on. I've got my iPad. If we want to, we start talking about something that's on the internet, I can go research it. Or if they ask me about a company, I can look them up. All of this, you know, in this really little package. And this is just an example for me of how the iPad is so useful. And um, so I I really like it. But then iPad came out. I'm, I'm sorry. Then Apple came out with the new iPad, the iPad Pro. And I think we should just move on to that right now. Oh, so you don't want to talk about, I mean, because we've got the iPad Air and the iPad Air 2 are both still for sale. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. And, and what, well, what questions do you have for me as an iPad Air user? Well, I mean, why do you think that is, though? Why do we still have the iPad Air 1, the iPad Air 2, the iPad Mini 2, and the iPad Mini 4? Is Apple just trying to hit every single price point possible? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the reason they have, they're they keeping the—that seems to be a thing they do these days, and especially in the mobile stuff. There are people out there that are very price sensitive, especially if they're buying for a, a classroom full or a company full, where, you know, having $100 cheaper per unit, even if it's not as powerful, makes a ton of sense for them. Um, I think for individual purchasers or even just small companies, uh, I generally would tell you get the newest one because like you said earlier, it gives you, it adds on years of life to the end of the device. And as Apple develops, you know, as we come out with future versions of iOS, I guarantee you at some point the A7 processor will not be supported and the A8 will. And that gets you another year or two of life out of the device. Um so I guess that's the reason they're making. The reason I have the one is because I bought it when it was new and I haven't replaced it yet. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't necessarily agree with this. Let's keep the old thing around forever price line, but yeah, I guess that's what they've decided to do. Yeah. But I, we don't see the spreadsheets. I mean, I, I mean, it's a business too. Right. Yeah. All right. But you want to talk about your, your latest toy. Yeah. So the iPad Pro, when we were in Florida together, several of the people at the conference were using them because they had already come out and some people got their hands on them. And I knew I was interested in it. And we're going to talk a lot more later in the show about the apps we use and kind of the workflows we do with it. But I'll, I'll tell you a little teaser is one of the main things I do with iPads is I proofread contracts and documents. And I get that's a big part of how I pay for my shoes. So um, I've done it on the iPad for a long time. Um uh, traditionally the way I used to do this before iPads existed is I would print them out and take a red pen and I would mark up on them and I would li- make little notes and, and then I'd scan them and send them to the client and uh, getting the paper out of the process was really a, a benefit for me, but I've always lost that ability to use a pencil and I've tried to use styluses and or styli, excuse me, and I'm just full of misstatements today, but try to use styli to do it. Never worked for me. I am, um, and they're just too slow on the leg, you know, when you draw and it takes a while. And we've talked about some of these style line past shows. It, it's just never really worked. And also the problem is the contracts on a 9.7 inch screen are a lot smaller than they are when you print them out. And, well, and, so, and I've never really done a lot of PDF work on any of my iPads for this very reason, because it's always been OK, but it's never been as good or even not even quite as good as the the paper and the red pen way. 
Yeah. Or, you know, the other option is sit at your Mac and you open it up in PDF pin or Adobe or whatever your weapon of choices. And you go through and you highlight and you type and, you know, there's other annotation tools there as well. But to me, it just seems like such a natural that this should be done on the iPad that I've been trying to do on the iPad. I mean, we talked about on our show, and this is a long time ago when I, when I wrote the book, I wrote a book called iPad at work. And, and this is before Federico and everybody else was talking about this stuff. I, I used the iPad exclusively for like three months and it wasn't really exclusively because there's some things I couldn't do on it, but I used it as much as I can. And I did that as a little research project. Then I wrote a book about all the apps that worked. Um, the, um, so, you know, but so I, I, to this day, I've always been, I still do uh, contract proofreading on the iPad and the method I've used is, you know, I look at it, I highlight it with my finger or a stylus, but it has to be the highlighting. I can't really just draw on it and notes are written as typed in notes on the keyboard and it, it works generally. But when I saw the iPad pro, I immediately knew that problem would be solved for me. And the other one, which is really kind of dorky, but I, I play the piano and I have all my sheet music scanned and I like to just look at the iPad as my music and it's hard to read sheet music is already oversized generally it's actually bigger than eight and a half by 11 and then when you shrink it down to an ipad air screen it's even harder to read so i thought you know those two things alone to me would probably make it worth it if it really worked so i got one um uh, they're hard to get now if you order them they um which is just kind of a weird trend in apple it used to be if you ordered it they always got it to you but now they're in the store before they ship it to you uh, but I went ahead and ordered one online, and then a friend of mine who worked at an Apple store knew I was waiting for one and called me and said, hey, we got a bunch of them down here. So I went down and bought one, and then I canceled my online order. And I've had it now for a week, and I really like this this iPad. <laughs> I mean, um, anyway, so let me tell you a little bit of the specifics. It's an A9X, so it's the newest processor. 6.9 millimeters thick, so it's it's a little thicker than an iPad Air, and it's 1.5 pounds. Actually, it's 1.57. It's a little heavier than the original iPad. Um, now, the weight is an interesting thing. The weight felt heavy for me at first. After a week of using it, I'm used to the weight. It doesn't feel heavy to me anymore. But earlier today, I picked up my iPad Air, and it felt extremely light. <laughs> so I still haven't figured that out. Uh, some of the other big selling points is it's got way better audio. If you like to use your iPad to watch movies on Netflix or something, you're going to love this audio. They also have the pencil. And this is a new uh, Apple product. It's essentially the Apple stylus. And it's, it's, a, it's a typically Apple product in the sense that there's no lights on it. There's no buttons. You know, it's just a plastic pencil. And have you used one yet, Katie? I have not. And I know you said you've ordered your pencil, but it hasn't come in yet. I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to this or by the time the show comes out, it will be last week's upgrade. But um, uh, Mike and uh, Serenity Caldwell, uh, Mike Hurley and Serenity Caldwell were talking about uh, – Jason was just basically silent the entire time while they were talking about their experiences with the pencil. Serenity from more of an artistic standpoint while she was drawing and sketching with it and then Mike you know, more from the pen addict standpoint from a handwriting perspective of it. Yeah, well, I, I went because my office is right across the street from an Apple store. So I go, go over there now occasionally. It's like one of my, when I need to get more steps and I walk over. I'm like the guy in Oliver Twist. I'm like, you know, so do you have a pencil? You know, they go, they never have one. But yeah, I go in there anyway. And every time, and I knew we were going to record the show. I didn't want to come on and sound like a, 
a dummy. So I went in there and I've spent about an hour using one in the store. I've drawn pictures with it. I've played with some of the bigger apps with it. And I've also, there's, there's a couple apps in the in-store that have PDF documents and they don't look like the kind of PDF documents I usually work with, but you know, I've annotated their PDF documents in the store and man, it is so great. It's just like the old days of getting your red pen out. I mean, you can, you can handwrite on the thing. They, I don't know what all is involved with the technology and I'm definitely going to go listen to that episode of upgrade. But the, um, what I, what I really like is that there's no palm recognition problem. I mean, you can rest your hand on the thing and, and just write, just like you're writing on a piece of paper and there's just no problem at all. So if you want to been wanting to take writing uh, handwriting on it on your iPad, you can do it now. Now you got to get this big one. And my guess would be in the future that like, if we do get an iPad air three next year, that they'll probably have this in it. But for now, at least the next year, I think this is the only way you're going to be able to do it. So can um, I, can it, I tell you a secret about the pencil? Yeah. This may be what convinces me to buy an iPad pro and I could see myself if the pencil, maybe not this version, and and I'm hoping that it will. I, I think next version or two, the pencil will continue to get better, and it will it will come to the iPad Mini. Certainly, it won't work with the current ones. You'll have to get a new one, and it will come to the the next version iPad. But it, for example, and I'll put a link to the show notes. If you look at you know Mike's review of of handwriting on the iPad Pro with the pencil. That dream that we've all had is we want to be able to take the pen. You know, I am not, let me start this over. I am not an artist. I have no interest in sketching on an iPad with a pencil. I, I have no interest in using any of the arts apps. I, I don't want to draw. I don't want to do any of that. But my dream is to be able to pick up a digital stylus and to be able to write on my iPad, to go into a client meeting, to take notes, just like I take notes on a legal pad, for them to be on my iPad and and as a bonus, to have an app that will then transcribe that um, from handwriting into type text. And so, you know, where I can draw, where I can outline things, because I do estate planning, so I draw a lot of family trees for people. And, you know, yeah. this is where this is going to go. And sometimes I'll draw a little car on the page to, you know, show things. And my dream is to be able to walk into a meeting with a client instead of a legal pad and a pen with an iPad and a pencil and do everything that I do. And then when I walk out, my notes are just done already on my iPad synced to my computer. And if I can do that, I will buy an iPad Pro and a pencil. And you're, I may just even be, I may just even keep you, it at the office. You may be buying one then, because I mean that is completely doable. And the software is just getting started. I think that, you know, we're gonna see I, I would be shocked if we don't have something amazing from OmniGraffle. Like what if you drew the family tree in OmniGraffle? using your pencil and it just looked gorgeous, you know, instead of your scrawling on a piece of paper. Yeah. Um, so I mean, the pencil is, is really, I think one of the major selling points of this new device and I don't have one yet, but I've been playing with them. I'm going to go listen to upgrade. I recommend everybody else do if they're interested in this. Cause I'm sure that, you know, an hour on it would be really good from those guys. Yeah. It's, it's uh, not but, the full hour. It's about the first 20 minutes at the beginning. Yeah. But it is it is what they promised. I mean, I, I've tried style in the past. And like I said, you know, when you rest your palm to write, you put your, your hand on a piece of paper and and the, the computer always gets confused by that. For some reason, whatever they've done at Apple, it just doesn't on this iPad Pro with that pencil. Um, and the and the response time is really fast. And there's stuff they did to the screen. Plus, there's technology in the pencil. I mean, I'm sure that there were a lot of people working on this for a long time. But the bottom line is, as you write, 
the you know it shows up and i've tried using things in the past like i've tried to annotate handwriting on the computer with a wacom tablet and the problem i have is there's a disconnect between scratching words with your hand and not being able to look down at where you're writing and then it's up on the screen It, it just doesn't work but this you're literally writing onto the screen it's very literal and um the other thing i've noticed being in the apple stores is all these kids are using these pencils and they're doing stuff with it. And it just seems to me like, you know, it is kind of an inflection point where when we can write on screens and have it work this nicely, there's going to be, I think a lot of interesting software and a lot of interesting applications and even user interface, um, you know, impact of all this stuff. And we're going to see it all as we go in the future. So that that's one of the big selling points of the iPad pro. Um, and I guess what I'd say about the iPad pro is it's something that is much closer. Uh, you know, I think it was um, one of the one of the guys reviewing. I don't remember who it was. Now he called it a desktop iPad, and I'm like, that's kind of true. I mean, it's it's much bigger. It's harder to carry around, but man, it's so powerful. And like the split screen stuff on it. You know, I I talk about how sometimes I work. I have a nice little garden in the backyard, and sometimes I sit out there and work. Now I can sit out there with an iPad Pro. I split the screen between like OmniFocus and Mail. And I'm just like a productivity machine with that thing. It's so great. And and you really can see the apps with the iPad Pro because when you split the screen of two iPad apps on the iPad Pro, it's almost like the size of two iPad Air screens. It's just a little bit smaller. And Now, are you using the on-screen keyboard or the um, foldy keyboard or one of the others? Yeah, I've I've tried everything. I mean, they've got an on-screen keyboard. It's it's regular size keyboard, so you can sit and sort of touch type on it. You know, you don't have the physical uh, response, so that can get a little hairy sometimes because you know you just don't feel the keys going up and down. But you can literally type on it. But I have to look at my fingers when I do that because I have to make sure they're tracking. Whereas on a regular keyboard, I can look at the screen. I don't have to look at my fingers. Uh, the with the autocorrect stuff though. It largely fixes itself. I wrote like a 500 word blog post on the on-screen keyboard without really too much trouble. You can also go ahead and do the, um, you know, get an attached keyboard, you know, like a Bluetooth keyboard. I've got, you know, the Logitech one that I've been using with it. And um, I'm going to probably try the Apple one. Now, yeah, when you yeah, say you have the, the Logitech one, do you have the Logitech create one or just like a, you, oh, no, the Logitech the, no, you've been the, using the whole time? Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. So some of my friends at, at that tech show were, um, were using the um, Logitech Create keyboard, and I thought it was too big. You know, it yeah, turns it, in, in essence, into like a 13-inch bigger than 13-inch Air. It's bigger than my Air because uh, one of our friends, uh, David, was using it right next to me, and I had my 13-inch Air. And he had a yeah. Logitech Create keyboard, and my Air was smaller than that iPad and the keyboard. Yeah. Yeah, I just... And I didn't like the plastic around the keys, but, you know, I have some Bluetooth keyboards and I have one that has a switch on it where you can change the Bluetooth radio. So I've been using that with it, but I've been using the on-screen keyboard a lot. I don't like uh, on the iPad Air, it's the perfect size for me to do portrait typing, you know, which is thumb typing in essence. But if you get good at it, you can go pretty quickly. And um, with the iPad Pro, it feels really big when you hold it in portrait mode. Um because it just goes so tall and the width of the keyboard is it's, it's a stretch to use your thumbs to type on. I mean, it can be done, but it, I'm not nearly as fast or efficient as I am on the iPad air. So there's some things about this that are, aren't as good. 
And I want to talk about more of this, but let, let's talk about our next sponsor and kind of talk into the pros and cons of the, uh, the iPad Pro before we start getting into our favorite apps. Well, you know, this is a perfect sponsor for this episode because our next sponsor is Pixelmator. And Pixelmator makes one of the great apps for the iPad. Uh, they make one of the great apps for the Mac as well. But let's talk about Pixelmator for iPad. Um, Pixelmator is a powerful image editor, and it gives you everything that you need to create, edit, and enhance all of your images. And it does all of this on the iPad as well as the Mac. But it lets you work seamlessly between both your Mac and your iPad and effortlessly with people who use Adobe Photoshop as well. Pixelmator takes full advantage of the latest iOS technologies, giving you a speedy and powerful tools that lets you touch up and enhance images to draw or paint or to apply dazzling effects or to create enhanced advanced compositions in amazingly simple ways. You're just going to use your, your fingers or now presumably you could use your pencils as well. Uh, to apply amazing effects. And once your images are ready, you can share them to celebrate your work with the whole world. Uh, you can start with dozens of beautifully designed templates. They've got retouching tools that will correct wrinkles, repair scratches. They'll just make your flaws vanish away from your photos. You can remove or rearrange objects in composition. And then you can combine different tools for an endless number of ways to refine your image. It's loaded with dozens of different breathtaking effects that you can play with and advanced imaging editing tools. You can even do layers on this thing. Uh, you can open and save your images in uh, PSD formats, in JPEGs as a PNG, or in PDFs, or in many other popular formats. Of course, they support iCloud and all of the other sharing platforms, and this was built exclusively for iPad. Uh, Pixelmator is meticulously thought out and created from the ground up for iPad. It's designed to take advantage of all of the features of iOS 9 and technologies and will leverage the full power of the 64-bit architecture. So go check it out at pixelmator.com. You can find more information and download it from the App Store. And thanks to our friends at Pixelmator for their kind support of Mac Power users throughout the year. So the um so the iPad Pro is it's it's so much bigger that it it has pluses minus. Like I said, the big screen allows me to multitask so much easier on the device. Um like I, I spend a lot of time reading contracts and Word documents and pages documents. And like if I make it full width when I'm tracking changes, it's great. It's so easy to read and work on. It's just a joy. Uh, the problem is with the size is sometimes it's not that convenient to hold it. Like I like to read one of the things sometimes at night is I read my pocket, you know, back up as I, before I go to bed or, um, and it's, it's big to lay in bed and hold this thing. You know, you're afraid you're going to break your nose if you drop it on yourself. Well, and that's one of the, you know, my morning routine is, and my evening routine as well, you know, my iPad Air or my iPad Mini sleeps on my nightstand next to me, essentially. Yeah. So the first thing that I do in the morning, even before I get up out of bed, is I'll reach over, I'll grab my iPad and I'll do a triage. And, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about that workflow later. But I, I mean, I can imagine causing a, a small concussion if I did that first <laughs> thing in the morning when I woke up with an iPad Pro. Katie can't podcast today. She, uh, she knocked herself out with her iPad. I know it'd be falling <laughs> on my head, breaking my nose, and all that other stuff. Well, so I, so I was, so I've got the iPad Air still, and like I've got it, like I said earlier in this thing, when I go to these client meetings, that just kind of fits together nicely. And uh, so I've been playing the last few nights, where sometimes, and sometimes I read comics at night as well. Comics look so gorgeous on this thing; they're so big, and um, 
and words look so nice, except it, it is large. I'm not really sure what I'm going to do yet. My, my, um, my, what I can get at Gazelle for my iPad Air, you know, it's okay, but it's not like it's, you know, it's a fraction of what I'm going to, what I paid for this thing. So I'm not entirely convinced I'm going to sell the, the old one yet. Um, I'm just going to kind of let it go. I think when I get the pencil and stuff like the client meeting thing, I may want to bring the pencil in and write handwrite notes on the iPad instead of on a piece of paper. And if that's the case, then maybe the iPad air will go, but I haven't decided yet to get rid of it and I'm okay keeping it. But, but the, the big one is the one I'm using the most. And I really, I don't, I really love it. It's not for everybody. I guess that's the way to put it. I mean, so, I could, so, I could envision myself if if I got one, and and that's a big if. Um, I I could much more likely see myself waiting until the pencil comes down to other devices, and then perhaps replacing my devices with probably an iPad Air and using the pencil on that. Or I, I don't know, maybe the pencil would work well on a mini, more more notebook size, and and doing that. But I, I'm I'm much I, I still don't know about using something as large as the iPad Pro. And I could see myself, if I got one, it would be the low-end version and it would be a device that I almost exclusively kept at work and maybe just brought home on the weekends or something. It, it would not be a device that I traveled with back and forth. The The price breakdown for the iPad Pro is interesting. You've got a 32 gig model that starts at $799. And, and I understand it's a premium product, but there's no 64. It jumps to $128 um, for $949. And then if you want... one. Then it's got the only option with cellular um, is the high end one twenty eight with cellular for ten seventy nine, and these are obviously U.S. prices. The other thing is interesting is Apple usually charge you a hundred dollars per memory bump, so it would be seven ninety nine thirty two, eight ninety nine sixty four, and nine ninety nine one twenty eight. But instead, they have seven ninety nine thirty two and and nine forty nine one twenty eight. So it's only one hundred and fifty dollars more to to you know, go two steps with the memory. And I guess they, I think they wanted to keep it under a thousand dollars or, well, I guess that would have been under a thousand anyway, but either way, I don't know what the plan yeah, was, but, it, but they also didn't want to start it at 64 for whatever reason. Yeah. Because they didn't want people to buy the 64 probably. Yeah. Uh, I went ahead and got the 128 plus the cellular. I like having cellular. I'm, I've got the iPads away from the house a lot and, I like having um like the ability the instant on and I know that you can tether it and all that stuff but I don't but, mind. Yeah, but see now you've got and this is just my frugality coming out. Now you've got yet another $10 a month device. So now you've got another $120 a year. So you've got, you know, a phone yeah. and then you've got, you know, a small iPad at $120 a year and then you've got a spouse's iPad at $120 a year and then you've got a big iPad at $120. Oh no, I didn't do that. So what I do is um I I just I have the, um, if I do keep the iPad air, which I haven't decided I will, but it's, it's not definitely leaving yet. You know, I, I didn't sign the big one up for a separate plan. I just moved the SIM card between the two of them. You oh, know, you, well, that helps a little bit. They're both on AT&T and, and as it, it's looking, uh, if I keep the air, I, you know, I, I'm probably not going to keep the air at the end of the day. I think this thing is just going to become my iPad. But, uh, when, if I were going to leave, as soon as I got the iPad, Pro, I took the SIM card out of the Air and put it into the Pro and, and swapped the Apple SIM into the iPad Air. So that one doesn't work on cellular anymore. But if I wanted to, I could switch them back if I needed to go out with it. But uh, so far, I've been carrying the Pro around with me, no problem. And um, I, I don't know. Like I said, this is not the iPad for everybody. Uh, if you're using the iPad Air and you'd like some more screen, and if you're okay not being able to carry it around in your purse, um, boy, is it nice. 
having that big screen. And I didn't even mention, uh, we're going to get into apps later, but I didn't even mention like setting on my desk, watching Linda courses or Netflix while I'm working. It's so great. It's like having an extra TV in the room. You know, it's nice. And even my wife and I were laying in bed the other night watching a TV show and we just watched it on the air and I'm sorry, on the pro. And it's just really nice. Until, sound, one, until it, it fell down and knocked one of you out. You thought she was asleep. No, she was just passed yeah. out. <laughs> exactly. Sorry, <laughs> honey. Uh, but the uh, but the sound is better and the screens, you know, that extra three inches makes a difference. Yeah. Well, we let's talk a little bit about choosing between the various models. And, and we've touched on this a little bit before. So uh, obviously, you know, the, the big differentiator is, is screen size. And I think that's the first decision you have to come to is, you know, which screen size you want. We've we've got three choices now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There, there, small, medium, large. Yeah, exactly. And and that to me is is the big decision. And if you don't know, um, go in the store and play with them. To me, um, the recommendations would be I would start with an iPad air, I would just go in and say, that's, let's assume that's, that's the one the I'm going to get. Right. And if, if you get to it and you're like, that's too big for me. Cause I want to carry it in my purse or I want to carry it in my man bag. What do they call those man bags, man purse. Merce. They have a name for it. It's a Merce. They really call it a Merce. I th- that's what I've heard. I am so out of touch. Kitty voice. You would know better so than I, but that's what I've heard. Yeah. If you want to like, you know, put a, a flash in your pants, you know, whatever. I, I really, really think, pockets, I really think you should stop saying that because that offends some people. Oh, did it? I'm sorry. Yes. I didn't know it offended anybody. It did. Oh, man. I did it again. <laughs> now you're in Damn trouble. It. I'm always getting in trouble. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, um, the uh, you, you totally just diverted me there. You got me. All right. Oh, so, so if you decide that the, the iPad Air is not going to uh, fit in your, your device that you carry and you want something smaller, I think that's the next place I would look. Uh, if you want a pro, there's a real good reason. I mean, there, there, I, I think so. Yes, I, I think there's a real good reason. Like for me, I saw it and I said, PDFs and word editing. Yes. Hooray. And um, and that's exactly what it does. You know, I've had trouble with um, Microsoft, um, Microsoft licensing l- lately on my Mac. And you know, I, I think the problem is I bought the subscription through the app store. You know, I bought it in, in the app on my iPad and it, it had no problem giving me access to and it says off- you have 14 devices connected. Well, no, it's not. That's not the problem. It's just like every time it's happened to me twice on airplanes now where I get on and it says, you know, I open it, you know, I get on a long flight. I'm like, great. I'm going to write this contract, pull out the MacBook, open it up. And Microsoft where it says you are not activated. You need to log on and activate. And it's, it's some kind of license check or activation error. And every time I've done that, I've um, put the Mac away and opened up my iPad and been able to do all the edits I needed in on the on the iPad. Um, I, I think there's an argument that um, yet another I, uh, reason we love licensing our software. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but well, I mean, that was I, that was one of the reasons that whole Mac App Store kerfuffle with the expired certificate was a big deal. Yeah, well, this wasn't that. It was it's something no, else. No, no, I know, I, I know it wasn't. But and and I I, I don't it's, it's know. It's just exactly. every so often it checks in with the with the server to check and make sure that you're licensed, and if it can't, it's a problem. I, I even tried to 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 replicate it by you know, turning off the internet on my computer and starting word and it worked fine. So I thought, well, was it because I'm on an airplane? I don't have an internet connection, but I think it's, they must have some sensor at Microsoft that says every time David's on an airplane, just make sure That's he can't use our it. software. Yeah. Right. Uh, but, but, but we've gone off on a tangent. So screen we size. have, but yes. the, the reason I did is to say, um, I, so I'm using word increasingly on an iPad and word on a big iPad is, is great. It just, I mean, it's just, 
for, for productivity stuff, this thing is is aces. Yeah, I I wonder how you'll feel about that big iPad on the tray table though. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't I haven't flown with it yet, but mm-hmm. we'll see. I mean, generally, what I've done with the iPad Air is I just hold it in my lap and use my thumbs to type. So I. I don't know. We'll see. Um, so, so screen size is the place you start. And uh, then the next thing is memory. Um, now, a lot of this depends. So the big question is, what are you putting on your, your iPad apps take up some memory, but not, a, not hugely anymore. You know, there, there's some larger apps. The, the Microsoft suite of apps is, is fairly large. You know, I garage band and, and iMovie and some of those are large. You can tell what size apps are in, in the settings or in iTunes. But the the big thing that's going to take up memory is, are you storing your photo library natively on it? Are you storing photos on it? Which I don't tend to do. I tend to, tend to store my, my photos on my iPhone. Um, are you storing your music library locally on it? Which, again, I tend to not do on my iPad. I tend to do that on my iPhone. And then are you storing video on it? So yeah, I, I can tend to get away with a little smaller, with a significantly smaller size, actually, on my iPad than I can on my iPhone. Okay. And, and each time it costs you a hundred bucks to, to up it. So, you know, just get what you need. Yeah. Um, I had 32 on my iPad two, my iPad air two, and that was great except for when I was going on a long trip. Like when I, when I, the only time I ran into problems with that is when I was going like on a two week pleasure vacation. Like when I went to Alaska for two weeks or when I went to, um, where, where did we go last? We went to Utah on those trips for two weeks. That was when I really wanted to load up with like, because I, w- I wasn't going to do anything and I really wanted to load it up with videos. And that was when I started running out of space. Um, and and for that, I just used one of those uh, those um, third-party external hard drives. And yeah. that was that was fine. So for me, 32 is typically fine. But since, uh, since now the mid-range is 64, I'm very happy with the mid-range of 64. That's not an option if you're going iPad Pro though. Yeah. I had a, a trial a couple of years ago that involved a motion picture and we had different cuts of the movie and there's, it was actually, there it was actually evidence. We, we played some for the jury and, and so I was using my iPad to do that stuff. And at the time the iPad I had didn't have enough memory. So after that, I just started getting, the, I'd started maxing it. I just didn't want to ever have to get stuck in a position like that again, where I'm fumbling with cables in front of, you know, my jury. Um, the 128 gigabyte is nice with the iPad pro because client, you know, extended like evidence stuff I have on cases, I can just load the whole thing into the iPad and not even think twice about it. But, but I'm kind of an outlier on Special that. Special use I, case there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If you're just using it at home and banging around, you don't need the full, you know, you don't need the full 128 gig. 64 would be great. Right. Uh, next step is wireless. Are you going to add wireless to it or not? You don't have to, if you've got an iPhone, it's got built in tethering. You can activate it from the iPad. It's not hard at all. And, um, and the only reason to, to get the uh, wireless is if you want to, um, if you want to go ahead and just have it. So it's just always on. And, and I like that it's worth it to me. Um, I don't spend a lot of money on everything, but you know, once in a while you, you treat yourself and I, I have the uh, wireless, I've got an AT&T plan where I only have to pay 10 bucks a month to add it to our pool of data. And I know Katie, that adds up to $120 a year, but it's worth it to me, but that's, you know, make your own decision about that. Yeah, and and I've gone back and forth and back again with this. Originally, I didn't get the wireless, and then I got it for the iPad Mini 2, and I used it several times. I just didn't use it enough, I thought, to justify it. And I was in the same boat that you were, David. I was in the boat where for 10 bucks a month, I could add it to my Verizon plan, and it just came out of my Verizon minutes. 
And, you know, when it did that, when it just came out of my existing minutes, I thought, well, you know what, if it's just coming out of my existing minutes, then why don't I just tether? And I think the real turning point for this was in, was at iOS 8 when tethering got so much easier yeah. with, with the iPad and the phone. And, and after that, I said, you know what, I'm done. Tethering is so much easier. My Wherever I'm going with my iPad out and about, my phone is always with me. It's in my purse. It's in my pocket. I just tether it, and it's I haven't missed it at all, honestly. Yeah, the, the only downside to that is there is an impact on your phone's battery life. So if you're going to be doing, like, heavy work, um, you may need to make sure your phone keeps enough charge to get you through the day. That, that's the only legitimate reason I can think of for it. Yeah, um, and, and I've got one of those tiny, you know, lipstick battery chargers that I've, I've talked about before. I, sure. I, keep, I keep that in my purse. All right, and then you get color, which is basically dark, silver, or gold. Uh, for the new ones, for the for the iPad uh, Mini Two and the iPad Air One, it's just dark or silver. They don't have they don't have a gold one. So it's not a hard decision to make. You just go through. But I, I think the big one for you is screen size. And if you're having trouble, spend a little time because once you buy an iPad, you're going to be able to keep it for a long time. These things don't they don't become obsolete anytime soon. Wow, we we've, we've gone on and on. I have so much more to talk about. Uh, let's take a break real quick, though, talk about our third sponsor today before we go on. And that is our friends over at Harvest. If you're a freelancer or part of a team and you have client work, you know how tricky it is and annoying it can be to track your time and send out invoices and all that other stuff. Uh, Harvest can help you out. Harvest lets you track exactly how much time you're spending on your projects. And you can do this from the web, from your phone, from your computer, or even your watch. Harvest's great time tracking software is available to you no matter where you get your work done. So making sure you won't lose track of any that time or money. It's so important when you're billing for your time that you write it down immediately. Because if you don't, you don't track it. You do lose time and you do lose money. Harvest solves that problem. When it comes to time uh, to bill your clients, Harvest lets you take those tracked hours and easily create and send beautiful invoices. They look great and can even be customized with your own company logo to make sure it looks just the way you want. Once you send that invoice out, you just want to be paid as quickly as possible, and Harvest helps make that happen too. It integrates with PayPal and Stripe, so you can accept online payments on those invoices and get paid faster. They also have multi-currency support in case you're billing overseas. They also have automated invoicing in case you need to send the same thing over and over again. Harvest have really built a full package for people that need to track time and get paid. They do this with really great looking apps and they are a pleasure to use by giving you powerful reporting tools that help you keep up to date with what's going on in your business and helping you go paperless with great expense tracking. I'm uh, really impressed with what they offer, and I think you will be too. So to get started with Harvest right now, go to getharvest.com, G-E-T, harvest.com, and create an account. The first month is free, and you can have up to 50% off the next month by entering coupon code MPU at checkout. Uh, if you've got an antiquated billing system, go check this out. You got a first free month. You get 50% off the next. Just use that MPU code at checkout. Thank you so much to Harvest for helping support this show. So you put in the outline barriers for old timey Mac users. Yeah, I, I think that um, we're into this for a while. And I know um, I've kind of gone, I, you know, I've had a little bit of a resurgence of iPad use over the last six months or so. I've been, you know, following the stuff Federico's doing over at Mac Stories and the with iOS 9. Uh, the iPad got some real powerful tools. We talked about it on our iOS 9 show. It's got multitasking and you can have multiple apps on the screen at once. And suddenly iPad 
has become more useful to me. And the, the barriers I was hitting when I wrote the iPad at work book, a lot of them have been knocked down. So I've been making a conscious effort to try and use it more. And so in my head, I had these barriers that uh, would keep me from using an iPad. And I found that uh, getting into it again, that those barriers don't exist so much anymore. A lot of them have been knocked down. Um, typing is one like uh, typing on the original iPad. I found difficult. It's got easier. Uh, predictive text is better. The autocorrect features in iOS uh, are way better than they were when the iPad first showed up. And with the iPad Air, at least holding it in um, portrait mode and typing with your thumbs is super fast. I bet it's the same on the mini as well. How do you t- how do you type on your mini? Um, I tend to do it in landscape mode, but I also more so in landscape than portrait. But typing on the mini is hard. It's it's kind of in between. Oh, is it really? Cause it's bigger than a phone. I mean, y- yeah, I mean, but it's not quite. It, it's not big enough that it's close to full size. Yeah, you well, can't you can't quite fit two hands on it. Well, I've, I found typing is is much easier now these days on the iPad Air and on the iPad Pro, and in in landscape mode. If you can type on, you can lay it on a table and just start typing on it and it works. Uh, portrait mode, I can do that thumb typing where you hold it with your palms and use each opposing thumb. There's a bit more of a stretch for letters in the middle. Um, it, so I'm a little bit slower, but it, it's certainly not prohibitive. I mean, you can't, it, it, it's just a lot easier now. Plus we have a lot of Bluetooth keyboard support. Plus, you know, text entry really works. I mean, Siri just gets better and better. So, you know, I was talking about when I work in the garden in the backyard or when I'm out somewhere, uh, quite often I just hit the little microphone button and dictate in text and Siri gets it real close. So, so one of the barriers to, for an old timey Mac user is that you say, ah, I can't type on it. So it's not going to work. That problem is actually solved in a lot of ways. Um, uh, another issue is automation. There's so many automation tools on the Mac. We talk about them on the show all the time that are just awesome. And very little of that exists on the iPad. We've had some progress. iOS 8 brought in some automation type stuff. Um, you know, if you get really deep in the stack, you can you can automate some of the stuff. But it, to me, it's it's more difficult to do and not as consistent. However, automation does work for me uh, when I combine it with a Mac. And, and that's really a theme for me is I don't think this should be a Mac versus iPad. I think it should be there are things a Mac can do or things an iPad can do. And you just got to decide whether you want to have them both or just one. But for when I combine the automation on my Mac with the iPad, it works quite well. Like SaneBox, which is a sponsor of ours, uh, they do they manage my email filtering on, you know, through the web. So I don't have to have be at my Mac to make email filtering work. So it works just equal for me on the iPad or iPhone. OmniFocus has the, you know, the mail drop. So I can send an email on the iPad and get it automatically added to OmniFocus. And sometimes I have my, my iMac at home doing my work for me. Um, some of an example of that, for instance, is mail tags. You know, I, I think mail tags is a great product to, to tag emails and I tag them with the projects for my legal stuff. Um, And I was doing that manually for a while until, you know, I woke up and said, wait a second, why am I doing this manually? I can automate this. And in um, the Apple Mail app, you have inbox and outbox rules, especially if you combine it with Mail Act-On, where it says, if I'm sending an email to Katie and it has the word Smith case in the subject line, you know, tag it to the Smith project. So I've got all these rules running on my Mac to tag all my emails for me. So when I answer or respond to emails on my iPad, they're still automatically tagged for me back on my Mac. So I guess the point I'm trying to make with this long-winded nonsense is that automation can happen with a little bit of clever thought uh, using an iPad today. 
Um, another th- barrier is multitasking, saying I can't work on this unless I can see Safari and my text editor or, you know, my task manager and my billing program or in, insert name of two programs here. Now you can do that. Um, it's not as good as on the Mac. I mean, on the Mac, you can have 20 windows open on the iPad. You can only have two, but it it's a much better experience. And I found that sometimes it's not as fast, but I can get a lot more work done on an iPad now than, than I could have even just a couple of years ago. I, I still wonder um, how many people, you know, we talk about, and, and this kind of leads us to our next next conversation, people have the argument whether an iPad is solely for consumption or whether you can actually get work done with it. I I don't think it has to be an either or. I think if you choose to use your iPad solely as a consumption device, which I tend to, I think that's okay. And the question is, is that how you you want to use it? If if you want to use your iPad as your primary computer, that's fine too, if that's what works for you. I think if you look at the younger generation, and, and not even necessarily that young, if you look at some of the amazing things that Federico Vitici has done with the iPad, I mean, the iPad is his computer. That's his primary computer. Um, yeah. So there's no right or wrong way to use an iPad. It, it's, does it work for you? And I guess one of the questions that I look at is, how has our use of the iPad evolved over the years and over the multiple generations of the iPad if it has, you know, has it, and, and if so, why? Uh, you know, I know my use of the iPad has has primarily been a consumption device, but but I think that it has changed over the years. You know, with the original iPad, we were limited in some of the things that we can do, and part of that, you know, now we have multitasking on, on iOS, and we can run certain things in the background, and now we can run certain apps side by side, um, and now we can pull out video and and part of it's just been the form factor. Now that we have the mini iPad, I can take it with me where I go. And we've been able to add external keyboards so I can take a Bluetooth keyboard and get real, you know, quote unquote, real work done, you know, when I want to be productive. You know, things that that were difficult to do years ago is now a lot easier with the iPad. Yeah, that's that's the running theme of our show here. Um, so how are we using it? you know, today. Um, and, and I guess just that I'm going to follow up on this later. I've got a section in the outline about this, but uh, you know, the, the consumption versus creation argument to me is, is really a non-starter. It, there, it is both a consumption and creation device. Whether you choose to, to create on it is up to you, but people who tell me, well, it's not for creation. It's only for consumption. They, they aren't using it the way I am. And maybe they don't need to, or maybe whatever work they do is specialized enough that it can't do it. But don't tell me it's not a creation device because I create on it all the time. And I know a lot of other people do as well. So um, I, I don't know. I don't That's just a little pet peeve of mine, how everybody keeps saying it's not for creation. And I, I keep creating on it nonetheless, you know. Um, so uh, so let's talk about it. How are you using it? Um, let's, let's start with work, because I think that's one of the more interesting bits of it for me, how that's evolved. But what are you, where are you putting the iPad to, to use at work? If you are at all, I don't know. I am limited in what I'm putting the iPad to use at work. Now, I think I gave you an example of ideally how I would love to use it at work um, earlier with the example of the iPad Pro and the pencil. And and that may be something that comes to fruition, you know, potentially as early as later this year, if, if this pencil is really all it's cracked up to be, um, and maybe with future generations of the iPad. But I, I have no doubt that within the next couple of years, that's how I'll be using the iPad at work. Um, but the other ways that I'm using the iPad at work, I use it a lot with scheduling. You know, apps like Fantastical are, are great on, on the iPad. 
Um, when I was stuck on a PC only at the office for a while, um, thankfully I'm using my Mac mostly now, but I would take my iPad in primarily to do OmniFocus type work at the office, you know, because if I couldn't have access to my Mac at the office, at least I could have OmniFocus working on my iPad. Uh, and I do a lot of email processing on the iPad. And one of the great things, you know, especially if you're in an office that has managed with Exchange, you're, you may be allowed to have an exchanged account on iOS devices, whereas you're not necessarily allowed to have access to that same account at home um, on, on your personal computer. But you, because they of, of the ways that Exchange is managed on the PC, or excuse me, on iOS, you can have access to an Exchange account on iOS, but you can't on a PC or a Mac. So that was one of the ways that I've been using the iPad before, more particularly at the old job than at the new job, um, was access to email, access to calendar, access to contact for things that I didn't have access to on the home computer. Um, I'm also using the iPad quite a bit out, you know, if I know that I'm going to be in court for most of the day, or if I know that I'm going to be stuck in a mediation, or if I know that I'm just going to be out for the day, or if I'm on vacation, but I don't want to take a computer, you can get a lot of work done on an iPad, especially with an external Bluetooth keyboard. You can respond to a lot of email. Um, you can... Okay, wait, let me just pick up on one point you made because I don't want to lose the thread. Um, okay. So you talked about when you go to court, you bring the iPad. Now, traditionally, um, and I don't want, this isn't a lawyer show, so we're not going to focus on, but you know, this is kind of our work scenarios. And uh, I think it applies to a lot of other industries as well. But the old days, old timey days when I'd go to court, I would bring this big briefcase and I would have the whole file in there with all kinds of stuff. Cause you never know when the judge is going to ask for this or that. Uh, it is very acceptable these days to show up with an iPad and a folio case and, you know, just maybe a, a little notepad. And if you've organized it properly, you can lay hands on images of documents very quickly. And it's totally changed my game. And the, at no point, though, has it been acceptable to walk into a courtroom with a laptop and say, Judge, here's my laptop. I'm going to hand you my laptop so you can see this document. And I think but. the flip of that is is for even for little things like scheduling, and that's something that not just lawyers but in lots of industries we do when you're trying to schedule with multiple parties, I, especially in a courtroom, I think it's less acceptable to pull out your phone and schedule something, if that makes sense, just from an appearance standpoint. Uh, than it is to perhaps pull out an iPad and schedule something. And, and once again, at no point is does have I ever seen someone open a laptop and say, "Let's set a meeting while they're standing around and, and you know, you know, balance a laptop." Yeah. Um, in so, fact, our our courthouse. I don't know about yours. We just implemented a policy regarding cell phone use, and they've really cracked down on what you can use your cell phones for. Yeah, they're more so trying to limit the camera use, but they haven't figured out the tablets have cameras yet. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, so I, I'm with you on on those items. I mean, the, the general calendar maintenance and stuff, I use it for every work. But but I also do more worky work stuff on it. Like I use. Yeah, I'm sure you I, do more worky work stuff than I do. The uh, like Office 365 is good. And I really feel like the team that's working on the the iOS version of, of Office is killing it lately. And I'm, you know, uh, it's, it's good on the Mac, but I don't think it's as good as it is on iOS. So I've been doing it for that stuff. The, um, I also, cause some of my clients are Mac people, surprise, surprise, and we work in pages and, and that as well works. I do stuff in the Omni applications, not only just Omni focus, but like I find outlining ideas, both outlining and mind mapping on the iPad to me are superior to the experience of outlining and mind mapping on the Mac. And I think part of it is 
you know, the creative brain type stuff. I like to not be at my usual desk when I do that. I like to go sit somewhere else, go sit in the park or something and just kind of let my mind wander with these things. And the iPad gives me the freedom to do that. And because these applications have, have evolved to such an extent that it really is the same as sitting as your Mac, you know, with, with Omni Outliner, you use the omnipresent service and it shows up everywhere. And uh, with MindNode, which is my the, the app I use for mind mapping, it's the same thing. It, they use iCloud, and this stuff just shows up on your Mac and everywhere. So I use those things. Uh, with with the Mac Power users and some of the Mac Sparky stuff, I, I use extensive use of Google Docs. And um, I find that the Google Docs apps are, are just fine. You know, sometimes I wish that they, they had They always apps. lag behind. Yeah, that's true. But they're, they're fine enough. I mean, like, for a long time, like, you couldn't add bullets and stuff, and they were kind of unusable. And and then the last probably six to eight months, they've become usable. Uh, there's certain parts of it that aren't as good. A lot of times, like for Mac Power User Shows, I will start an outline on the Mac because it's easier. That's one of the things. You know, it's easier to do on the web, you know, using Google's preferred tools. But once I get going with it, it's very easy for me to use the, the Google app on my iPad, the Docs app, to go in and make changes to the outline. Um. I use uh, for my book writing uh, my I have two books in process right now and and we'll talk about this on another show, but I'm using Ulysses to write them this time because I hadn't used it before and they have a really, really well crafted iPad app. So I get access to all my text anywhere. I mean, that's how I can write books at Disneyland or wherever I'm at because Ulysses is on my iPad. Um, I use Keynote. I give presentations off Keynote on my iPad, which is really great. I use... Um, some very specific lawyer apps, and I'm just going to mention them because this isn't a show about lawyers, but the lit software stuff, uh, there's one called document review pad, one called trial pad and one called transcript pad. Those apps are awesome and they're way superior to anything I've used on a PC or Mac to do the same thing. And I'm not going to, we're not going to talk about all that too much because people, a lot of people don't care, but you know, and those are good apps because they, they're not cheap but they replace much more expensive software on a traditional computer. And they're, you know, it's, it's an example of something that's better on the iPad. Uh, so I, I honestly think depending on what kind of business you're in, you're going to find some stuff out there that's just easier and better on an iPad than a Mac. Now, does that mean that you've just replaced your, your computer? No, it doesn't. In my mind, it, it just means that uh, you've sharpened the saw a little bit. You've got some pieces that work better in other places. Um, but I uh, I use it all the time for work, and and this stuff has really evolved. Uh, what I haven't done, Katie, is gone the Federico route. Now Federico Vitici, who we've mentioned several times in the show, uh, runs the website Mac Stories. He's a podcaster, also on Relay, and Federico scripts, and he does very extensive workflows. Um, I don't think I think those are out of reach for most people. I mean, some of it's out of reach for me because I just don't want to spend the time to set it all up. So I don't think I go that deep with it, but where there's an app that works for me and can do my job, I'm all over it. And so we've talked about work. What about for play? How are you using the iPad for leisure? Because that's that's what I tend to use the iPad most for. And you know, maybe play is a is a little bit light word, but more so for home. I, I do a lot of reading, as we talked about on the iPad. The iPad is where it is my preferred client for Twitter. Uh, TweetBot is what I use on the iPad. So I prefer using TweetBot on the iPad. Uh, I use Mr. Reader. It's my preferred client for doing all of my RSS management on the iPad. It's my preferred place to go through and read all my Instapaper queue. It's my preferred place. Um, I, I actually use... Um, 
the Kindle app rather than iBooks primarily. So it's my preferred place to read eBooks. Uh, and then I'm an Amazon Prime subscriber, so I do occasionally watch videos through the Amazon Prime app, which recently got the, the ability to, to download stuff and queue it. Um, although I do that more so on, on the TV, but when I'm out and about, I, I do it on my iPad. But, you know, I use my iPad for a, a lot of leisure activities. Uh, Facebook or social media, I, I don't do a lot of Facebook. Uh, Google Plus is a better example because we have a Google Plus community for Mac Power users, which is like over 3,000 people strong, by the way. Um, Crazy. All, all of that is on the iPad. Um, a lot of my Evernote stuff that I do is on the iPad. I, I keep recipes uh, as we're recording the show. It's the day, two days before Thanksgiving. And um, I don't know how to make much, but I know how to make a few things. And so all of those recipes, I'll have to be pulling out the corn casserole recipe that I only use once a year. But that's in the iPad. Uh, it's wait, 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 wait. Stop there. I got to find out. What, what is your contribution to Thanksgiving? Is it just corn casserole? It'll be um, corn casserole. And um, I contributed the bread maker for the homemade rolls. So I'll be helping with the homemade rolls. And wow. I, I think sometimes I, I do what we lovingly call pig on pig, but I haven't decided if I'm going to do that yet. What? What? <laughs> it's uh, sausage wrapped in bacon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why it's pig on pig. It's delivered by a cardiologist. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> there, there are a few other things in there, but those are the main ingredients. Sausage Is that wrapped a Southern thing? I've never heard of that before. Pig on pig. It actually sounds no, it's, kind of delicious. It's, it's not called Pig on Pig, but that's what somebody named it. Somebody asked me what the name of it was, and I said, I, I, I don't know. And so one of my cousins named it. It's called Pig on Pig. All right. And so well, it kind of, it just kind of, one of my little cousins named it that, and so it stuck in our family. But well, it's, my, it's, my, it's like those little smoky sausages that are wrapped in bacon, and then you stick a toothpick through them. I'm sure you've had it. And then you you put, um, uh, what is it, brown sugar on top, and you bake it in right. the oven. Sounds tasty. Yeah, it's horrible for you. They're absolutely horrible. Yeah. But but delicious and oh a pain in the pain to make because you've got to wrap all those individual little sausages with bacon and then you bake it <laughs> and then, no and then you spread brown sugar on top and then you bake it yeah okay <laughs> the old uh, was it the Dan Benjamin bacon method <laughs> I forget what baconmethod dot com or something it works uh, anyway. no 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 talk to Doctor Drang about that I did it once and it blew up in my oven. What? Yeah, that was the Mother's Day. You know, never heard about oh, that. Oh yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, <laughs> blew up. Well, they, I've been told that we, um, my family, my side of the family, we do kind of traditional Thanksgiving, and then afterwards we we're coming back to my house, and my my wife's side of the family is coming over. My wife's Filipino, and they they said, you know, we're tired of turkey every year. We want to do steak. <laughs> so, you know, we're like, all right. So I'm barbecuing steak on Thanksgiving this year. Um, oh, I did find the recipe. For the bacon-wrapped little smokies, I'll put that in the show notes because oh, I'm sure. Got to have that. Yeah. Got to have that. All right. So so you've got recipes. It sounds, the interesting thing I heard is a lot of that stuff is reading type stuff. A lot of reading makes, type stuff, yeah. Which makes perfect sense for the many. It's, it's funny to me um, how much the apps and the workflows we're using are reflected in the screen sizes that we've chosen. Like, I can't imagine doing Microsoft Word editing and track changes on a mini screen. Uh, on a big screen, though, they're great. And, you know, the same thing. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much reading I'm going to do on this pro uh, because of the size of it. But like video, watching videos on it is great. And like like I said, I'm a Linda subscriber. I like watching the Linda videos. Sometimes I run them in the background. I don't know. I'm a weirdo. But the um, 
they look great on this big screen. And sometimes, uh, you know, I, I watch Netflix or Amazon or whatever, and the same thing, they look really great on the big screen. So play to me is a large, largely affected by what you put on it. Comic books look amazing on the big screen. Um, so, so there's apps I use for that, but for me, I largely use the iPad for work, not for play. Hmm. I think I use it more for play. Yeah. Um, you don't play any games, right? None, Uh, none, um, no, a a couple I would recommend if you're interested or you want to try out a few games. Um, cause I, I try a bunch of them as they come, you know, as they kind of become popular, a couple that have stuck with me. One is called Alto's Adventure. I don't. Did we mention that on the? Um, You've mentioned the, it a few times. Yeah. Yeah, I think we mentioned it on the Apple TV because they have an Apple TV one. That's a really great app. And um, there's one also that I like called uh, Monument Valley. And I th- I'm sure a lot of our listeners have heard of this, but if you haven't, it's amazing. And uh, just go get it. I'm not going to describe it. Just go get it. Have it on your your device next time you're at a family gathering, and and everybody will love playing it with you. Um, but so I, I use it for play, but mainly I use it for work, uh, on the road. You can use the iPad as a remote gateway into your Mac. Do you do that? Occasionally, but I find it much more productive just to use the iPad. Yeah, me too. Me too. I think that's a, but there are apps out there to do that. The best one that I'm aware of is called screens. And yeah, it gives screens you the ability. is the one that I use as well. Yeah. The other big use case scenario for me is, is proofing pictures. Cause I'm a big fan of the Apple photo management system. You know, I just take the pictures. Uh, now I've got that DXO one, I getting really great pictures going into my, my uh, stream. And I, I really like sitting on the couch and just sorting through them, deleting bad ones, making small edits. Photos allows you to do that on the iPad with this big screen. Oh my goodness. They look so good. I mean, the pictures look great on this big screen. So that's another thing I do. I guess I, I'm not sure if that you call that play or work. I, in my life, it's play. Yeah, it's probably play. So. Yeah. Well, why don't I talk about our last sponsor, and then we can finish up with some of the accessories that we're using with our iPads. Yeah, I also want to address right? this question of. I also want to address this question of is it a laptop replacement because that's been bugging me. So. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, maybe we'll wrap up with that. So All right. I want to talk about our last sponsor for this episode, and that is our friends over at One Password. And I'm really excited to talk about a new product from 1Password. So I, I know many of you already use 1Password and you've kind of mocked up ways that you can use them with your friends and your family and coworkers and the new vaulting feature in 1Password has helped a lot of that. But I know you've asked for more and you know what? You've got it now because 1Password has announced 1Password for Teams. And what this does is it allows you to share the convenience and security of 1Password with everyone in your life, particularly in the work environment, if that's what you want to do. Uh, It gives you the tools that you need to manage access the most important information that you have. So basically what it does is you sign up for 1Password for Teams and you get access to this admin console, which is a central location for you to manage your team, the vault, and the items. And from this admin console, what you can do is you can easily bring people, uh, new people on board into your team. Uh, You can share and revoke permission to certain vaults. So perhaps you have a vault that you you share with your accounting team. Perhaps you have a vault that you share with your family. Perhaps you have a vault um, that you share just with mid-level staff. Perhaps you have a vault that you 
share with management. And you can control from the 1Password admin panel who has access to what. So someone gets a promotion, maybe they get promoted and they get access to another vault now. Uh, Someone gets fired, well, you know what you can do? You can lock them out and make sure that they don't have access to the vault. Um, Also, if someone loses access to their account, um, you can recover uh, locked out accounts now within the admin vault. And Everything is built upon a foundation of security and privacy. So you and your teammates are the only ones who ever have access to your secrets within 1Password. 1Password encrypts everything on the client side. The people at 1Password, as great as they are, do not have a copy of your encryption keys. They do not have access to your data. So if you're interested in checking out 1Password for Teams, it is currently in beta now. Uh, So you can go to their website over at agilebits.com. You can sign up for the beta, and it is completely free for you and all of your teammates to use during the beta period. Now, once the beta ends, and they anticipate that the beta is going to last about three months, um, once the beta ends, they're going to move to a monthly subscription model for 1Password for Teams. Um, So it's sustainable, and you pay for the people that use it. So it makes a lot of sense. Uh, So go check them out at 1Password. Password.com. Uh, thank you to 1Password for continuing to support Mac Power users. Uh, they've signed on for another year in 2016, so we are so excited to keep talking about them and even more excited to see uh, what they are going to innovate uh, for 2016. So thanks again to 1Password and go check out 1Password Teams. So, so what are some of the key accessories? I, I think there's categories of them. Um, maybe the first one that's worth talking about is keyboards, um, because, uh, we've talked about how we use the on-screen keyboards, but you know, if you're a touch typist, nothing is better than having an actual keyboard. The iPad works great with it. It's got a Bluetooth keyboard support. Um, there are in my mind kind of three categories of keyboards that have grown up in the last five years as the iPad has. The first one is what I call the big keyboard. You know, it's just a big regular size Bluetooth keyboard. It could be something like the Apple Bluetooth keyboard. Although I guess that fits in the minimal category these days. Uh, but like mm-hmm. um, Logitech makes some, um, I mean, there, there's like full size Bluetooth keyboards that are travel size, that are travel built for travel. They have a case or something. I've got one of those in my trunk and I don't know. I got it on sale at some point and I just keep it in my trunk with a pair of batteries. And if I ever get stuck somewhere, I can always yank that out and do some typing on it. Um, the second category is a minimal keyboard like the iPad Bluetooth keyboard, or once again, Logitech makes a bunch of those minimal keyboards. Um, and some of those are really nice because they allow you to choose multiple devices. So you can have it paired to your phone and your iPad at the same time. And then there's the third category, which is what I call the lid keyboards. And there's a whole category of these keyboards that have magnetic um, attachments and they hinge onto your iPad like a lid like a cover, but it's also got a keyboard built in. Um, the newest one for the iPad Pro that Apple have has one now that's kind of a strange combination of fabric and plastic, and it it seems kind of nice. I don't, I haven't spent a lot of time with one yet. So so where do you fall with that, Katie? Which, which ones are you using? I fall squarely in the separate, but yet compact but yet still full size bluetooth yeah. keyboard realm so kind of I, i've talked a lot about yeah. yeah the minimal keyboard but yet still full size um yeah. I, I do not like the squish keyboards i i like the logitech um k811 keyboard because it's the smallest keyboard that i found that yet still has full size keys and it's got some added benefits that you can use it with multiple devices and it's still backlit and so I, I like that keyboard a lot. It's it's pricey, but it's a great keyboard. And it, it's got the same feel as all of my other Logitech keyboards. The, the reason that I like that the separate keyboard is 
95% of the time that I'm using my iPad, I'm using it without a keyboard. And so I don't want to compromise the the size, the weight, and the styling of my iPad by having a keyboard case attached to it all the time if I'm not actually going to use the keyboard all the time. Now, granted, if I had a keyboard case, I'd probably use it more often. But particularly when my iPad's the mini, the keyboard cases for the mini are candidly pretty lousy because they're so compressed. Yeah, I, it's probably I a little better for the full size keyboard. I, I just laughed when I looked at that Logitech as a full, as a keyboard that attaches to the mini. I'm thinking I could never type on that. That would just make me insane. Yeah. What, um, what about so, you? Where do you come down on this? Uh, I, I've tried the lid keyboards, and with the iPad Air, there were some like Logitech made one that were decent. Um, but I found like you, I didn't use it much. I actually like my iPad naked most of the time. I like, I don't want it in a big case. And we're going to talk about cases and bags in a minute. But uh, so I find like the minimal keyboard that I can keep around when I need it. What, what's been surprising to me is I've been using the iPad a lot more in the last six to eight months is, is that I don't use the keyboard that much. I, I found that I can, you know, for the type of work I'm doing on it, generally I can get by with thumb typing or turn it into landscape and type on the screen or use Siri to dictate text. And, um, I'm not sure I really need that much of a keyboard. I mean, I'm not even, I haven't, I'm not even sold yet that I need one of these case, um, keyboards for the iPad pro. So, so, uh, that's been kind of a surprise to me cause I've always been a big keyboard guy, but, but, uh, like I said, I have a big one that I keep in the trunk of my car. I've got a minimal one I can carry around with me. It's one of the Logitech's. I think it's the older one. I have the one with the little solar panel across the top. Um, yeah, I like which that makes it makes it a little bit larger, but I've had it for several years and it's just working great. Mm, especially if you're going to keep it in your trunk. Yeah. You I haven't been that motivated. Yeah, and I haven't been that motivated to replace it. Um, uh, so switching over to cases and bags, uh, I'll tell you, I, I'm not a big fan of cases. I, with my iPad air, I got the, um, the bright red, I think it's the AIDS awareness or pro, I forget what they call it, but you know, they have one where project some of the money, yeah, project red case. And I like it. Um, I've had to clean it up a few times because it's got dirty over the years, but I just keep that on the cover of my iPad Air, and usually that's all I do in terms of a case. And when I use it, I, I pull it off. I just like holding the thing as it is, as Johnny intended it, as they say. Um, uh, I, I On bags, it's a different story, though, but what about cases for you? Well, you know, I, I this saga with the iPad Mini through four case because they changed the dimensions ever so slightly and they did not make a smart case for the iPad yeah. mini. I really liked the smart case. And did so you ever I solve just ended that? Up buying it. I did. All right. I solved it for nine, for $9. All right. Good for you. Isn't that? Yeah. Um, I ended up buying a, um, just a cheap knockoff case on Amazon that uh, had come pretty highly recommended. And you know what? It's fine. It's $9. It's it's definitely not rich Corinthian leather. It's, you know, more neoprene but it, it fits. If you looked at it from five feet away, you would think it was the Apple leather case um, because it, it looks just like it. It's basically a knockoff smart cover. Um, and it's fine. I originally bought it because it was cheap and it was going to hold me over until I found something better. But I, I don't know. I've really kind of stopped looking for something better. I just wasn't going to do because now Apple's solution is you buy the back and you buy the smart cover. Yeah. And I just didn't like that solution because I thought, you know what, that's not going to stay attached well. And I don't know. So I, I bought um. So I, I have not had with my iPad Air. I just put it in my bag with the smart cover on it and nothing protecting the back and 
after a couple of years, it's actually in really good shape. It doesn't look like it's, I can't see. Yeah, I was going to ask scratches. you, do you have any problem with it just covering the front with you not protecting the back? Well, I am careful about it. Like I, I have um, a sleeve for my MacBook and I slide it into that sleeve with the plastic of the cover against the MacBook and the back of it against the sleeves fabric, if that makes sense. So I kind of protect yeah. it the way I, I, I carry it in my bag. Uh, but sometimes I don't have the MacBook in there and I just put it in there with the, the cover on it. And I'm looking at it right now. I don't I can't see any scratches. I'm sure there's some on here. Um, with the new fancy iPad Pro, because I anticipate even carrying that one more often alone and because I spent so much money on it, I, I ordered a sleeve for it. And I ordered the uh, from Waterfield, I ordered their Dash iPad Pro sleeve. And I have the same sleeve for my MacBook. And they have two different colors. So I got one color for the iPad Pro and one for the, the MacBook. And I think it's great. So you it's, could tell which one's which. Yeah. And it's it's 60 bucks, which is, that's a lot of money for a sleeve. But they have two sizes. They have one that holds just the iPad Pro and one that's just a little bit thicker. And it can hold the iPad Pro plus the keyboard um, cover. So I got that. And I think I'm, I haven't got it yet, but I'm, I think that'll be just fine for me. So, so I, I don't use cases, but I do like bags. And, and the idea of that is then I can put that into a larger bag or just carry that if I want. And I'm pretty happy with it. Um, batteries, I, you know, you can get an external battery for your phone and they charge the iPad just as much. I've generally found I don't need to carry external batteries for an iPad, except like if I I'm don't traveling, if, if I'm getting on an airplane, I always bring out the large size charger, but I end up using it for the phone and never using it for the iPad. Um, uh, presentation connectors, you know, if you're doing key accessories, if you're going to be presenting off it, you got to make sure you've got the HDMI and the RGB and, and. Apple sells those connectors. I'm sure they charge too much for them. There may be third parties making them at this point. When I, I bought mine, there weren't, but it's been a long time. Um, I think um, I US also bought the um, I bought the Lightning to um, to USB adapter. Yeah, that's really convenient. Tell me about that. So what that does is it's basically a camera connection kit. Is what it's designed for. It's the yeah. it's it's lightning to USB and it's designed for you to hook up your camera. But surprise, surprise, you'll find that many USB accessories that don't require drivers will also work. Like David, your fancy travel mic, yeah, that doesn't draw yeah. a lot of power and does will work on an iPad. Yeah, I'm not going to do that, that to you. <laughs> or maybe I will one day. I'll go on a trip and record the show from the iPad. I wonder how that'll go. Uh, you can't. The problem is, is, is the way the iPad's currently designed now, you can't record your audio and port it through to Skype at the same time. Oh, really? Yeah, so, so you'd have to like yeah. have the phone for Skype. You'd have to then... like, yeah, you'd have to like talk to me on Skype with your phone and then record your audio on your iPad. I guess in a it's jam doable. that could work. You could do yeah. it. Yeah. In a jam it could work. Um, the SD card reader is great if you've got a camera with an SD card, you know, it's really great on vacation when you can take the card out, just stick it into your iPad. Um, if you've got data problems, I mean, a lot of these problems are solved now. If you're taking pictures on an iPhone and you've got photos, it just automatically syncs over. But sometimes you go on a trip and you don't have access to the kind of data you need to, to jam all the pictures up to the cloud and then down to your device. So then you get one of these and you can just save it. And if you've got a larger size iPad, then it's it's also a backup of all your photos. Now, do you buy both the SD adapter and the camera adapter? Because I've just bought the camera adapter and I found that works well. Yeah, the um, I have both. I'm not sure why. I think, you know, see, the thing is, we've got, you know, they multiple... used to they used to come together. Yeah, I think that. And now you, but now that you was buy on them the, separately. But that was on the 30 pin connector, I think, when they when they switched over right. to lightning. Now it I doesn't anymore. They, yeah. And I think what I did is I bought 
I wanted to make it as easy as possible for my wife. So we got an SD cause she had an SD card in her camera at the time. So we got one of those. And then when she travels, she takes that one and I use the USB one, but now she stopped using her old camera. Well, long story, but she, you know, we do a lot of stuff in photos now with the iPhone. So they aren't as important to us as they used to be. These, these external readers. All right. Well, there's a lot more accessories out there for these devices. Um, you know, now that I've used the Apple pencil, it has kind of ruined me to recommend any styli, uh, for the iPad air or an iPad mini. Uh, they're just so inferior. And you said, you made a comment earlier. I didn't want to interrupt you, but you said, you know, if the pencil lives up to the hype, um, that is something someone would say who hasn't tried one, just get into an Apple store. I guess it's a long drive for you though. Right. Yeah. It's about two hours. Yeah. It's not worth a two hour drive, but, uh, just get your hands on one someday and um, we're going to see each other in April. I'll let you use mine. Hopefully you'll have tried it before then. But if you've tried one, you know, it's not, it lives up to the hype. It's, it's exactly what they promised. So you're going to be really happy with it if you go there. All right. Now, David, I know you said you wanted to wrap up with, is the iPad a laptop replacement? And you don't, you don't like that question. Yeah, I don't like the question. I mean, so it's been a thing lately. Um, Federico talks about it a lot on because he has replaced his laptop, in essence, his Mac with his iPad. And 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 he's done some amazing stuff to do that. But he's also jumped through a lot of hoops to make that happen. You know, he's the canary in the cage. And then Tim Cook was in Europe recently. And, you know, it was right. I think it was the week they released the iPad Pro. And he kept saying, oh, yeah, this will replace your Mac. And, you know, this is all I use. And I think that that opens up this whole debate. Well, I, you know, I don't need one. It's not my iPad replace. It's not, I don't need to replace my Mac. So I'm not going to get one of these. I, I think people are trying to treat this as a binary thing where you have a Mac or you have an iPad. And I think for the vast, vast majority of people, that's the wrong question. The question is, does an iPad help you get your work done better? Are there certain things you can do better on an iPad or are there certain play things or consumption things you can do on an iPad better? And if there are, is it worth it for you to pay insert number here to get an iPad to do that? And I think that's that's the I think that's the same question here. Like for me, the types of work I do on my iPad are better when I'm editing contracts and when I'm doing certain things. And to me, it's worth it to have that as an extra device. I don't have to have it. Most of these things I've described, I could probably do on a Mac or with a piece of paper or something else, but it is better when I use it. And I, to me, that's the question. I mean, does an iPad make certain parts of your life easier? And if it does, are you willing to pay for it? And if you're not, that's okay too. But I, I don't think you need to get hung up on whether or not it replaces your Mac because it doesn't need to, to be worth the money to you. Well, and you wrote this great piece on convergence, and I hope you linked it in the show notes, where Apple and Microsoft have taken very different approaches to this. You know, the Microsoft Surface has really tried to be that multipurpose device where it's both a tablet and it's a laptop, but it's really not great at either. And and Apple has taken the the opposite route. It's like, you know what? We've got a really great tablet device, and we've got great laptop computers as well. And, and we're going to do that. And if people want to buy a tablet and not buy our computers, that's fine. And if people want to buy our computers and not buy our tablets, that's fine. But we're going to have the best of both products. We'd prefer if you'd buy both, though. Yeah, I mean, and and the point I made in that art, article was that I think Apple's long game here is 
as you know, the old timey folks get out of this stuff and the young kids come up, I think iOS is going to be increasingly important, but I don't think that means they're going to kill the Mac. It just means that, that it's, it's going to increasingly take a backseat to the iOS development as it become becomes used, used more. They're never going to merge the operating systems. One is going to consume the other at some point in the distant future. But you know, for now, I mean, there's stuff I do on my Mac that I would never want to do on an iPad. And there's stuff I do on my iPad that I just don't ever want to do again on a Mac. Um, like, you know, I, I didn't want to get into it, like transcript pad, that application that lets you review deposition transcripts. If you're a lawyer, it is so much better with that iPad app than it's done on anything I've done on a Mac. So um, I, I find that I'm fortunate enough to be a point in life where I can have both. And I'm getting the most out of both of them. And that's what I would encourage you. If you've got an iPad at home and you've you kind of fallen off the wagon, you aren't using it much, take another look at it because there's probably some stuff that you can use that uh, to get something out of it. And don't feel like you have to replace your Mac. You just don't have to anymore. Okay. I'm off my so, off right. my, uh, my stand here, my soapbox. <laughs> I think I think you made a lot of good points, and yeah. and hopefully people have gotten some good ideas about how they can use their iPads more effectively. But but also if they don't want to, that's that's fine too. So, so there, there's usual. no great one solution for anybody. Yeah, and as usual, if you've got something that we missed, or if you're doing something amazing with your iPad, you want to talk about it, send in a comment. We have a live show for that, and we'd love to include it. Um, uh, thanks to our sponsors, One Password. Pixelmator, Braintree, and Harvest for sponsoring the show. We uh, they allow us to keep this the, the wheels turning and the lights on here at Mac Power Users Headquarters. Um, and I guess uh, that does it for the uh, the iPad show. There you go. All right. Well, thanks everybody, and we will see you all next time. Mm-hmm.